Well, good morning. It's good to be here with you this morning. I'll ask you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. While you're turning there, I'd like to uh, thank Dr. Patterson for his gracious invitation and inviting me to bring the word this morning. And in the interest of uh, giving honor to those whom honor is due, I'd like to affirm my uh, wonderful and godly wife, Clara, to whom I am privileged to be married. Reading from the Word of God in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-4, through 4, this is what the Word of the Lord says. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. By way of introduction this morning, I'd like to briefly testify to you of my own journey from a worldly tourist, as it were, to a soldier of Christ. I was born in the Dominican Republic, and uh, unlike my fellow countryman Sammy Sosa, baseball has not been very, very good to me. Okay, uh, We emigrated to the United States when I was seven years old, and I was raised Roman Catholic in New York City. I estimated by the time I was 19 years old, I had actually attended Mass at least 2,000 times, yet never had I once heard the gospel, not once. Consequently, at that age in my life, at 19 years of age, I was pursuing security, significance, and satisfaction in things like money, pleasure, and notoriety. And to, to whatever extent I ever achieved any of those things, I immediately recognized that they were vain. And it wasn't what life was about. And I started asking questions at that age about, you know, why am I here? What's the point of life? And so I would talk to my parents and my priests and my professors and really never got any satisfactory answers. So I decided to, as the slogan said back then, join the army and be all I could be. Uh, read up on things like philosophy and religion and figure out something that would resonate with me and give me a purpose in life. While stationed at Fort Hood, I finally came across a book by Hal Lindsey called The Liberation of Planet Earth. And the book, in kind of hippie-ish 70s terms, he, 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 he uh, describes the gospel. And at one point, uh, I remember he quotes 1 Peter 3.18. It was the first time in my life I actually realized what it was that Jesus accomplished on my behalf on the cross. And it says, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. My soul thrilled at the knowledge of this to know how much God loved me. Yet I really didn't know how to appropriate that in my life at the time. So a little later on in the book, he also quoted Revelations 3.20. And I heard Jesus' voice speaking to me where he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. At that moment, I, I was just used to rope prayers in my life like Hail Marys and Our Fathers. But I remember I thought to myself, God, please do this in my life. And, and at that moment, I knew that God was no longer just my righteous judge, but he was now also my loving father. And I praise God for that. I trust that each of you has had that experience who's here this morning. And if you haven't, whatever you do, do not leave this building without talking to someone or find me or somebody. But just be sure that you've had that experience and you know for a fact that God is your loving father and that you're reconciled to him this morning. You know, it's, it's interesting, when I had that experience, it wasn't until a couple of months later 
that uh, I ran into somebody. I was transferred to, to Germany. And uh, at that point, I ran into some guys involved in the Navigator's ministry. And he invited me to meet with him once a week and to um, you know, help me understand how to apply God's word to my life and share my faith and grow in my walk with God. And remember, the very first thing he ever shared with me were these verses from 2 Timothy chapter 2, in particular, verses 1 and 2. It says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You see, from the very beginning of my walk with God, I knew that my walk with God was not about some sort of you know, self-centered search for prosperity in my life and my becoming some best version of myself, but rather it was God's way of drawing me to himself to make me more like Jesus so that through me, he could draw others to himself. We see here that the first exhortation of Paul to Timothy was to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Not self-manufactured strength, but strength that comes from relying on the unmerited favor and all-sufficient power of God himself. It is upon this basis that Paul then imparts God's soldierly commission in verse 2. He says, the things you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these impart to men who will also be able to teach others also, to faithful men. Timothy had not just heard of Paul's instruction privately, but he had also heard him talk the talk and walk the talk in the presence of many witnesses. And it is this life-on-life -life example of knowing Christ and making him known that Timothy is called to emulate by Paul and we are called to emulate by God. It is a sacred trust worthy of our wholehearted commitment and worthy of the time, talents, and treasures that God has given us. And so it is in light of this truth that the Apostle Paul exhorts Timothy and consequently God exhorts us this morning to suffer hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, of course, there are many instances in Scripture where we are um, designated by other metaphors, right? We are, we are called in 1 Peter 2.9, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people for God's own possession. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, we're called ambassadors of Christ. In John 15, of course, Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. Now, we like these metaphors, don't we? Because they speak of the privileges we have and the joys we have in Christ, and the life-sustaining nurture that is ours in Jesus Christ. Our response is usually, amen, sign me up for all that good stuff. Give me more, right? But when it comes to this business of being a good soldier of Christ and suffering hardship, well, that sounds rather dangerous and, you know, sounds sacrificial. Why, that kind of stuff might even gasp, take me out of my comfort zone. Surely a loving and nurturing God wouldn't want me to get out of my comfort zone, would he? Well, it's at this point that we would do well to remember that our loving, nurturing God is not just that, but he is also Yahweh Sabaoth. He is the Lord of hosts. He is the commander-in-chief of both the heavenly hosts and the earthly hosts. That would be you and me. The same God who draws us to himself and adopts us as his children also enlists us in his army at the time that we come to him by faith. We do not volunteer, but rather we are volunteered, we are drafted, we are enlisted. It is not an option, but it is a requirement. The fact is that as blood-bought saints of the living God, we never decide whether we will serve in his army. We only decide how faithful we will serve in his army because God has called us. Let's consider then some characteristics of the good soldier of Christ this morning. I'd like us to look at the dress code, the discipline, and the desire of the good soldier of Christ. 
You know, when I enlisted in the army, I remember I got there and uh, I had to change my clothes. They handed me these things called fatigues. I wondered why are they called fatigues? Well, because when you wear them, you do things that fatigue you. And so that's why they're called fatigues. And, uh, you know, when I got there, I, I quickly learned why it was that my civilian dress code would no longer do. My, my t-shirt, for instance, would not protect me from biological and chemical agents in the field of battle. Right? I had to wear something called an ANBC suit, a nuclear biological chemical suit. The sneakers I used to wear to play basketball would not uh, do me well on the battlefield. And so I had to have a change of dress code. And so also being a good soldier of Christ requires a change of dress code. This is because when God saves us and calls us, he calls us to be his faithful soldiers. We soon recognize that we are engaged in a spiritual battle which requires a different dress code. Let's look at that dress code of you. We'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says the following. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Soldier of Christ, you need to know this morning that Satan is shooting real bullets. And if we're to experience victory as good soldiers of Christ, we must put on the full armor of God. Now, it talks about that armor here in Ephesians 6, 14 through 17. I won't go into all the specifics of it, but we're at Southwestern. You, you, you know what the armor is, don't you, right? The helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. Our loins are girded about with truth. Our, our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel. And we wield the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Yet I believe there's yet another weapon that is typically overlooked in, in this next verse. Ephesians 6, 18, it says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Soldiers of Christ, if we are to consistently experience victory this side of glory, we will have to be intentional about praying. Not just praying, but praying at all times. And not just praying at all times, jibber-jabbering for the sake of praying. We're going to have to pray in the Spirit, as this verse indicates. We must put on and utilize the full armor of God. You know, it does a soldier absolutely no good in the middle of a firefight to understand and to know how great and how effective his armor is unless he's actually using it. And so our old self-centered dress code is insufficient and ineffective for the challenges of the spiritual battle we face. God has enlisted us in his army, and if we're going to fight the good fight as soldiers of Christ, then we will have to adopt a new dress code and wield the weapons afforded to us in the spirit. You know, it's interesting, in the army every morning, we had something called formation or muster. And in formation, you would, you would literally show up, there would be a line, you would have to put your feet together and put your toes on that line. So the saying was, feet together, toes on line, and at formation... We would gather there, and the commander would tell us, okay, this is the mission for the day. And then we would look at one another as soldiers. We would hold each other accountable to be dressed the right way and to have the right gear so we can mutually help one another complete the mission for that particular day. So, soldier of Christ, I have a question for you this morning. When it comes to your spiritual dress code, as a good soldier of Christ, do you pass muster? Do you pass muster? Are you intentionally listening to your commander-in-chief's marching orders? Are there friends to whom you're accountable and vice versa who are inspecting your spiritual armor, your gear, and helping you to accomplish your mutual mission? I hope so because, you know, we're not called to the battle alone. 
We're called to the battle as part of a team. We've looked at the dress code of the soldier of Christ. Let's now look at the discipline. We find this in 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 4. It says, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life. You know, Roman soldiers knew what it was to suffer hardship. They lived a rigorous, disciplined life of unquestioned commitment to their commander-in-chief. In their 20-plus years of their term of service, they were not even allowed to marry. They were not allowed to engage in business pursuits or any kind of sporting glory. And the reason for that was very simple. They were absolutely committed full-time, you know, 24-7, 365, to just making sure that they carried out their military duties that they enforced the laws of the Roman Empire and sought to expand that particular empire. Well, if we're going to keep the main thing the main thing, that is being good soldiers of Christ and being on mission with God, then we're going to have to discipline our minds and our bodies in submission to our commander-in-chief. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Our bodies are to be considered living and holy sacrifices. Ouch. That sounds like it's going to involve some sacrifice and some pain, frankly. As good soldiers of Christ, we are called to live a life of hardship, rigorous discipline, and unquestioned obedience to our commander and chief. Our hardship may take the form of some internal struggle with our flesh, or it may take the form of suffering some, some adverse circumstance due to our obedience to God. Nevertheless, we are called to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and to live a life of disciplined obedience to our commander-in-chief. As soldiers of Christ, we need to realize that our battle begins in our minds. And if we're going to please God and accomplish his mission and his purposes for our lives, we need to discipline our minds. A great illustration I learned when I was involved in the navigator's ministry was this thing called the hand illustration. It talks about five things we're supposed to do with the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. Those things are to hear, to read, to study, to memorize, and meditate on the word of God. Hear, read, study, memorize, and meditate on the word of God. To the extent that we have all those fingers on the word of God, then we'll be able to wield the sword of the spirit in such a way that we will be able workmen not ashamed as to how we handle the word of truth. So we're called to do this. We must discipline our minds. We must discipline our bodies to be good soldiers of Christ. How do we do this? Formation. In the morning, gather before God. Listen to your commander-in-chief's orders for that day. Listen to what he has to say and get to know him and let him change your mind. As good soldiers of Christ... We need to toe the line first thing in the morning and spend time listening to our commander-in-chief as he reveals himself and his will through his word to us every day. We need to also attend corporate formation as we go to church together and we worship God and we hear the word of God preached and we encourage one another unto love and good deeds to so those deeds which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them together as his earthly hosts. We looked at the dress code of the soldier of Christ and the discipline of the soldier of Christ. Finally, let's look at the desire of the soldier of Christ. We see this in 2 Timothy 2, verse 4. It says, No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life, so that he may please the one who enlisted him as soldier. So we see here that the desire of every good soldier of Christ is to please his commanding officer. 
Now, of course, the good soldier of Christ, you know, has times of rest and relaxation with his family and his friends. We all need that. We need to recharge and we need to rest. Nevertheless, his highest privilege and greatest responsibility is to please by obedience his commanding officer. The good soldier does this by giving priority to the mission above himself. He gives priority to the mission above himself. I don't know if you've ever seen this in, uh, in movies or perhaps on the evening news once in a while, you'll hear a story something like this. There's a soldier and uh, they're marching somewhere or perhaps they're, they're trapped in some building and all of a sudden, uh, he's with this group of, of other soldiers, all of a sudden somebody yells, grenade! While everybody else scatters, this soldier jumps on the grenade, it blows him up and he dies. I remember from, from the movie Patton, he says the goal of the soldier is to make the other guy die for his country. So how does this make any sense then that this soldier would give up his life this way? Well, he does that because he understands that he is not as important as the mission. He does that and he gives up his own life so that others then will not be maimed or killed. And they together as a group will then be able to carry out the mission. He gives priority to the mission above himself. And so we are called to do that. We are called to do that as soldiers of Christ. My question to you this morning is, how are you sacrificing that others may be built up? That others may be built up to the point where they can then carry out the mission. And so we need to think about that this morning. We see an example of this in the Apostle Paul's life when he writes in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He says, but I do not consider my own life, my own, uh, life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. What Paul is saying here is that his life and his desires are not as important as God's mission for his life to testify of the gospel. Paul had the attitude of a good soldier of Christ. Now, I hate to say this, and it, I know it grieves the heart of God, but I think the fact of the matter is that today in most of our churches, we've got a lot more tourists than soldiers. We, we, we know what tourists are, don't we? Tourists show up when they want, if they want, how they want, and they're basically there as consumers, right? They're there to consume the food, the fun, the fellowship, the music, the atmosphere, whatever it is. And so basically, they're there on their terms when and if they want to be. However, a soldier does not have that mindset. A soldier has the mind of a contributor. A soldier is there as part of a team to accomplish a certain mission. So soldier of Christ this morning, if I were to ask people in your church, if I were to ask people in your class, would they say you're a soldier or a tourist? Would they say, well, you know, when we talk about food, fun, and fellowship, well, Johnny is so there for us like that. But when it comes to stuff like, you know, evangelism or, you know, disaster relief or something, all of a sudden he gets real spiritual and he's got to pray about it. You know, he's got to pray about that. I, I, I don't know. That suffering hardship for Jesus stuff, I, I, I need to pray about that. The fact is that we enjoy true security, significance, and satisfaction in life to the degree that we embrace our identity as good soldiers in Christ and participate in God's mission, not as tourists, but as soldiers. That is the mindset we need to have. Soldier of Christ, as the song says, soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. When that day comes, God will wipe away every tear, and we will all reign with him and share in the unfathomable joy of continued service to our commander-in-chief and our king. In the meantime, God should reign in us and through us. We need to remember that we have been drafted into his army, and it's our time to soldier up. 
It's time to put on the full armor of God, and it's time to be about our commander-in-chief's business. We have battles to fight and win in the power and in the wisdom of the Spirit. So let's not allow ourselves to get entangled in worldly affairs that would distract us from our mission in Christ. Let's continue to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and for the joy set before us, suffer hardship with joy as a good soldier of Christ, to the glory of God. Soldier of Christ, you may need this morning to submit to God and say, Lord, anything, anytime, anywhere, for you are worthy. You are worthy. And in this case, I am willing to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, to go to that difficult place, to do that difficult thing with those difficult people. Soldier up then. Your commander-in-chief empowers you. Perhaps you're here this morning, and you've been soldiering on, but lately, this kind of touristy attitude has set in. And perhaps you're, you've developed a kind of complacent, consumeristic kind of attitude. Well, recommit yourself to the mission. Your commander-in-chief enables you to do so. Perhaps you're here this morning, and you've been soldiering on. You've been soldiering on in spite of the circumstances. In spite of the circumstances, soldier on. Soldier on, O soldier of Christ. And soldier on with the joy and anticipation of knowing that one day, when God calls you to that final formation, and you hear the words that are the desire of your heart, you will be thrilled to hear him say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful soldier. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning, Lord God, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that where you guide, you provide. Thank you that when you tell us to do something, Lord, you enable and empower us to do so to your glory and to the benefit of ourselves and others. We pray, Father God, that we would be constantly reminded Lord, of the fact that we have not been given a spirit of timidity, but of love, power, and self-control. Father, help us to commit fully to that to which you've called us, because we recognize you as worthy this morning, and we give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.